Hi and welcome. My name is Brooke Lowesby with Law Life Coach Podcast, and we are here highlighting innovators who are making the law a healthier and happier place to practice. Joining us today is Judith Gordon. Welcome, Judith. Judith is a Judith is a uh, coach and facilitator, and she helps attorneys with tools and practices that they need to thrive in high demand and high intensity working environments. Judith, I'm so curious, what started you on this journey? Well, that's an interesting question. I had an aha moment about 10 years ago, and it was one of those moments that gave me the opportunity to bring everything that's interesting to me personally uh, to others. So what happened was I was sitting at my desk at the firm that I was with at the time, and I, this article seemed to appear randomly, but it caught my attention and it was a research article on the high levels of distress among lawyers. And I had gone through my own experience uh, with dissatisfaction in my practice and had developed a whole range of tools and strategies for myself that worked and that I was using. And when I was reading this research article and saw that many of the um, many of the solutions that they identified, but also the factors and what caused the distress, um, I realized I had this instant thought: I can do something about this. And so I started to think about. And one of the other items was that they cited in the article that a lot of the dissatisfaction and distress begins in law school, that there were factors in law school that contributed to why lawyers um, feel uh, stressed and unhappy. So I thought, well, law school is a great place to start. I have all these tools and strategies, and I would love to bring them to law students so that they can then apply them when they get out into practice, which is exactly what I did. I, I proposed a class to several different law schools in the Los Angeles area and UCLA agreed and we started this grand experiment which has lasted 10 years I've been teaching this class to law students uh, giving them tools and strategies for managing stress for uh, interacting with difficult clients for managing caseloads for uh, understanding how we process information how we process how we create solutions etc and um, when I would meet lawyers in just out and about and they would hear about the class I was teaching, they would say, oh, I could use that or I need that now or I wish I had that in law school. So I started working with individual lawyers and then doing uh, trainings in law firms. And it's really gratifying because you see the aha moments. All we need are these quick tools and strategies to understand how our physiology works and how our brains work. And then we can apply them and boom, we've got solutions and lawyers like solutions. So. And lawyers like practical solutions as well as things that we can immediately put to use. And right now we're in such a unprecedented time. We're in the quarantine 2020 right now. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, as you're seeing attorneys who are struggling with not only their typical high demand, high intensity, high stress working environments, but also now, you know, uh, trying to balance that with working from home and these um, unprecedented times, what 
tools and strategies could be immediately effective right now? Well, there are quite a few. And what's interesting is that I've been being in isolation myself. I've been noticing my own experience. And so I think the, one of the first tools is self-observation noticing what's knocking you off track and getting back on track. We have the opportunity and the ability to start our day over at any point. So uh, humans have a tendency when things start going downward to just think, oh, the whole day is ruined. This is awful and I'm, you know, I'm quitting. But the reality is we can start over at any moment. So taking a moment to self-observe, take a breath, pause, and pivot. So... I, sometimes I call that the sacred pause <laughs> because it's so powerful when we just take a moment and notice our own experience and then act from there instead of just reacting to whatever's going on in our heads. And of course, that self-talk, that downward spiral that nothing's working isn't, isn't useful. Exactly. And so, you know, in my own experience, I've noticed, for example, that just my habit of flipping to the news, for example, or flipping to the headlines is triggering me to hold my breath or I'll notice my heartbeat start to escalate. Um, what other things are you noticing that, that are, are kind of contributing? Well, I, I want, you said two things here that are really, really important. One was your habit of going to the news. And so what I would recommend for anybody, and I'm sure uh, people have heard this is, schedule your news intake, moderate it and schedule it. So schedule it like anything else, uh, schedule it like a meeting. If, if you have to watch the news or hear what's going on, put it on your calendar at a specific time so that you're not having this constant uh, in, you know, ingestion of, of difficult news because we have to process that. And then that interferes with processing the work that we need to do. The second thing you said was that your heart rate goes up, and your breathing gets shallow, and that's, that is a stress response. And the, the interesting thing about humans is we were perfectly designed to have a stress response. They, they are actually, there's nothing bad about a stress response because it saves us in times of danger. It's, it's designed to be triggered in a life-threatening situation, and right now we do feel truly threatened. But the reality is that in that moment, if we're having a stress response and we're not responding appropriately, then that uh, floods our system with an adrenaline and cortisol, which, which then confuses our, our system. It upsets the balance and it, can, it creates a cycle of more and more stress and that's when stress can become damaging. So we can, because we're human, we can think our, our, our way into stress, right? Uh, we're not, in any immediate danger, but information overload is, is now interpreted by our brains as a threat. And so we have a stress response. And so recognizing what a stress response is, but then knowing how to respond to it is the key. So the way to respond to it is to take a breath. But the right, we have to respond to it with the right kind of breath, not with any kind of breathing. So um, if you, for example, it's always so much easier to describe these things when we relate to the things that we do. So let's say you're driving in a car and you're on the freeway and somebody cuts you off. So in that moment that you slam on the brakes, you notice that you have a stress response. All of your muscles tense, your breathing pretty much stops, your, your cognition shuts down, right? You're not thinking, you're reacting, which is appropriate. 
um, and you maybe start to sweat, all of those things. But as soon as it's over and everybody's fine and that individual drives away, then what happens? We take this kind of big sigh of relief, but it's a full body breath. We can actually feel it go through our entire body. So that's the kind of breathing, this is a single breath that can interrupt the stress response. And this is the kind of breath that we can use all throughout the day. So I'll notice if my body starts to get tense or something has occurred that's triggered a stress response, an inhale through the nose, deep into the lungs where our oxygen receptors are, will interrupt that stress response because it then sends oxygen to the bloodstream. This is getting a little physiological, but um, what I've noticed is that when people understand why and how things work, they're able to use them better. So I think that's right. Breathe, yeah. So when we breathe through the nose into the lower lobes of the lungs, then that's where most of our oxygen receptors reside and, and we saturate uh, those oxygen receptors that send oxygen to the bloodstream to the brain. Then that triggers the brain's relaxation response, triggering a whole cascade of calming chemicals into the body. Now this happens in seconds. It's a very quick response, but just this one breath done appropriately will mitigate that stress response. So what I often recommend to lawyers and others is once an hour check in, are you breathing? Are you breathing correctly? Take a moment, you can take 60 seconds to, uh, to just set a timer and take a few deep breaths through your nose. You'll start to immediately see the transformation in your body. Muscles will relax if you have tension in your shoulders and neck working at a computer. Definitely uh, learn to breathe. It's very, very helpful. So learning to breathe, what, tell me about a tip or a technique that you would have to, or maybe a visual even, to assist somebody in getting that deep breath to the base of their lungs so that we get the most oxygen we need. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, visuals are so helpful. So my favorite visual is a balloon, and the balloon is always red for some reason, but you can choose any color you like. So if you imagine that you're blowing up a balloon then the balloon actually fills up from the bottom and it fills up evenly. All sides expand uh, at the same width, if you will. And then the air goes up into the neck until it's full. So you wanna think about your lungs like a balloon and all four sides of your rib cage expanding. So not just your abdomen, but the sides of your body, your back, and then up your spine until you literally up the back of your neck into your head. You wanna get a full deep breath as high as you can. Of course, if you're not used to breathing this way, you may feel a little lightheaded at first, but once you get used to it, it feels really, really good. And it is, it is transformative. And it's, it's also really helpful. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It's also uh, really helpful to, to remember that if you're having difficulty taking a breath to exhale first, because it's the exhale that lengthens the inhale. So oftentimes, um, if we're panicked, you know, really can't get our breath, um, for some reason we've been holding it, which is something I tend to do, exhale first, and then inhale gently through the nose, and that will get your breath going evenly and deeply. And really breathe. good tips and techniques. I love the idea of blowing out before you breathe in. 
that'll to get the maximum amount of oxygen that we need. I think that's yeah. wonderful. Something else that you mentioned um, that I think is is really insightful is with the news or with any of these stressful situations that we're in, we're, a lot of us can feel out of control. We can feel victimized by the situation. Yeah. And what you're suggesting in terms of taking control of the situation and giving yourself an amount of time or a specific time or a specific um, amount to look at the news, that gives us a sense of control in a world that otherwise we may not feel that. Absolutely. Uh, I, th I think if we're randomly moving back and forth between news, work, family, or whatever else is going on, then we're getting distracted and a distracted brain is an anxious brain. And so what we want to do is try to focus and hone in on what it is we're doing right now, do one thing at a time. And if we do get pulled away, interrupted or distracted, turn 100% of our attention to that interruption so that we're not jockeying back and forth between the task we were focused on and the interruption and then um, taking then looking at the news these all create more and more stress we our brains and our bodies don't know how to process this we're not intended we're not designed to process multiple things at the same time so understanding how our brains work and how we process information is really really helpful and yes it, it does give us a sense of control because one of the factors in stress is feeling a lack of control as you said so that's that's uh, that's a great. Yeah, I've noticed a real slowing down during this time period, at least for me. And one of the things I've been trying to do is just as you said, one thing at a time. Whether that looks like brushing my teeth, I'm just brushing my teeth, right. or walking my dog, you know, leaving my phone at home and just enjoying the walk. That is so important. The other thing that's happening when you do that, and you may have noticed the benefits of this, is, is that you're giving your brain an opportunity to reset and to reboot. So we're not designed to be thinking all of the time. Of course, that's not the way we're raised. We were raised to always be on like our, well, even our computers aren't on all the time, but we tend to think of ourselves as machines that we can just keep going and going and going. But in fact, our brains um, get depleted and they need to reboot. So when we just let go and, and do one thing at a time or just take a walk without our phone, then the brain goes into what's called a diffuse state where it's actually not at rest. We call it a brain break or brain rest, but the, the brain is actually activating other neural networks that are used to process information and come up with solutions. So that's why sometimes when we get in the shower or we take a walk, we've, we have the solution to a problem we've been thinking of, or we suddenly come up with a new idea because the brain is flipping into that other um, state, into that other, and accessing that other neural network. So we need to give ourselves these opportunities to go back and forth between a focus state, an intentional focus state, and a, and a, uh, more diffuse resting state, if you will. Although if you put that brain into an MRI machine, it's not resting at all. It's just doing a lot of other things. <laughs> hmm. Okay. I like, I like that, um, that idea of giving our brain the space 
to, to process naturally, really, instead of on overdrive and allow the answers to come to us. I can sure tell you that oftentimes the shower is definitely one of them. I, I often meditate in water. And then waking, you know, that moment between falling asleep and waking up as well tends to be a time when ideas will, will just come. Yes, that's exactly right. And you said it beautifully that in that space, giving, giving your brain that space to do what it needs to do. That's exactly right. And unfortunately, many of us will wake up, reach for the phone, start to scroll through email. Through email. Our brains are already starting to uh, work and we're feeling tense and exhausted before we even get out of bed. So that is, that is a problem. I mean, one of the things somebody, uh, it was uh, randomly, I was at a conference and ran into somebody I knew and he said, I can't recall exactly how he framed the question, but he said that he has, you know, in the morning uh, he gets up and he feels really tense and, and he doesn't know how to manage that. And, and what happens is we have a, we might have an imbalance of O2 and CO2. And when we have too much CO2 to oxygen, we um, tend to feel anxious. So what I like to recommend is before you even get out of bed, sit up, drink some water because we get dehydrated when we sleep. And then take a few of those slow, deep breaths, two or three. And those are going to, to relax you. They're going to put your brain in the right state for processing information um, and, and, and set us up for the day as opposed to starting with the phone and uh, immediately diving into all of our stressors. Yeah, I like that. How to, how to get up the right way. I can tell you lemon water is my first go-to, but I don't have it by my bed. That's a good idea. I would definitely keep water by your bed. So, so we hear a lot about drinking water and people think that it's, well, there are a lot of good reasons to drink water. I mean, it's good for your skin. But what a lot of people don't know is that we actually need water to, to think because thoughts are electrical synapses in the brain, right? They're electrochemical synapses. And what do we need to conduct electricity is water. So the water we drink literally conducts the electrical energy we need to create thoughts. So even 1% dehydration uh, causes what has been studied to be a 5% decrease in cognitive function. And then 2% dehydration leads to um, irritability, uh, mood swings, brain fog. So lawyers who are working really, really hard and sitting at their desks for hours may forget to take a sip of water every now and then which could contribute to the, to the feeling of stress, irritability, headaches um, are caused by dehydration. Yeah, so especially if they're chugging like several cups of coffee just to get by exactly. during the day. Yes, coffee is dehydrating, by the way. So it's important to, uh, to balance that with actual water, not energy drinks, not sugary drinks, um, with actual water to to fuel that cognitive function. The, uh, the other thing to know that I think a lot of people don't realize is that sugar increases stress. Sugar actually increases the release of cortisol and can increase stress for up to five hours. So if you're drinking drinks with sugar, eating a lot of sweets, that could also be contributing to a decrease in cognition and cognitive function. So decrease in ability to really work optimally and think. So, these little uh, pieces of information, we understand our physiology and we understand our, our biology and how we operate, then 
there are little things that we can do that we're already doing that are so, so helpful. I love hearing the why behind, you know, people tell you to drink water, but until you hear that, wow, water is actually going to help me function better cognitively, that is such a better reason to me to be hydrated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I notice myself if I start to get dehydrated or if I'm working and I'm, things aren't going well, I'll stop for a moment and say, oh, have I, have I had any water lately? Maybe I'm dehydrated. And also listening to our body, you know, noticing, for example, that our lips are chapped instead of reaching for the chapstick, that's our body speaking to us and telling us, hey, you need some water. Absolutely. That is such a good point. Listening to our bodies, using that somatic intelligence. And lawyers are in their heads and they tend to forget that our bodies are not just this thing that moves us from point A to point B, but actually is delivering information to our brains all of the time. And when we ignore that information, that somatic information, uh, it starts to knock pretty loudly at the door. So, so paying attention is really, really helpful. What other things can we be looking for? So we mentioned, for example, like holding our breath or, um, you know, tenseness in our shoulders. Are there other cues or clues that we should be looking for that tell us, hey, you need to slow down and take a breath now? Yes. Well, my suggestion would always be to move at least once an hour because humans are designed to move. It is as biological a necessity as breathing. So our thinking is also slowed when we sit too long. And we're not designed to sit, the, at least not for the periods of time that we do in our current era. Even 50 years ago, we didn't sit as much as we do now. So I highly recommend not sitting for more than one hour. So it's another one of those, it's not only what, what to do, but it's what not to do. So not to intake, not to ingest too much sugar, but also not to sit for too long. Or maybe if you want to put it in a more positive way, move once an hour, get up, pace. In fact, when I'm on the phone, I pace, I walk around with the phone so that I'm, it, it, that actually stimulates neurogenesis, brain gener we bra generate new brain cells when we move and when we walk, it also boosts immunity because when we are moving and generating these brain cells, we're also uh, uh, creating new white blood cells. So movement is really helpful for boosting immunity. Now that we're in isolation, if we're spending too much time sitting in front of our computers or our TVs, then uh, we're lowering our immunity. So we really wanna keep moving while we're at home and in this, in this quarantine time. Another good excuse to get up and, and be sure that you're moving around and, and, and taking action rather than just sitting. And boosting your immunity, you know, that's um, obviously something that's on top of our minds right now. And you and I have had um, several conversations, but most recently we were talking about a way that we can boost immunity that many people might not even think of. And that's just simply being joyful. Can you tell me some more about that? Yeah, so uh, laughter. Laughter is a huge immunity booster and it's also really great for productivity. So if you think about it, all of these things that we're talking about, uh, breathing, drinking water, moving, laughing, not only increase our immunity, but they, uh, they also boost our productivity and, and here's why. So laughter um, actually has, is, the, is the foundation for a field of medicine called psychoneuroimmunology. 
And I like to say there are no physiological accidents. Our, our physiology was designed to support us and there are no physiological accidents. So laughter stimulates the production of all kinds of uh, uh, hormones. It releases endorphins. It, um, it gets us breathing. It gives our inner organs a, a workout, but we're also hyper oxygenating. So for all the same reasons that we talked about when we hyperoxygenate, we boost our immunity, we create new brain cells, we um, create new white blood cells, and it relieves stress. If you've noticed, if you've ever had an argument with someone and uh, you're having a really great fight, you're really into it, and then somebody cracks a joke, and, and then the, the fight is over, that's it. It's, it's done because... Uh, all of the stress, all the tension, all the hostility is out of the room. And, and I've seen this used really effectively in depositions where I've seen counsel oppose, uh, excuse me, where I've seen counsel um, use humor to disarm the witness because they get them very relaxed and they feel a connection, laughter connects us and it, it creates a bond we actually released uh, oxytocin, which is a stress hormone that protects the heart, but is also known as our bonding hormone. It makes us feel connected to others, which is why when we laugh, even when we laugh with somebody we don't like, we feel more connected. It's, it's very human. <laughs> huh. Isn't that interesting? And bringing it back to kind of the legal workspace, I'm trying to think, is laughter something that we hear often, you know, it, walking the halls and things like that? It is not, and it is something that more lawyers, I think that law firms would, would probably boost their bottom line if they incorporated regular laughter into their daily uh, work environment. Well, first of all, the productivity would go up, the connection would go up, the collaboration would go up, the communication would go up. It's just generally a much better way to work. But there is a firm that I read about in New York where before they would go out on a pitch, the lawyers would uh, do a cheer, like they do, um, they'd all put their hands on top of each other in a circle. They'd stand on a circle, put their hands on top of each other and do some sort of a silly cheer and get themselves laughing. And the managing partner who wrote the article, I believe it was, uh, it appeared in Above the Law, said that it gets them into a more creative space. It gets them feeling really positive. They go into their pitch feeling much more optimistic and uh, more like they can, like, let's do this. And when you think about it, that's how athletes enter the game, right? They do a cheer, they get together, they're a team. And uh, as, we're, as we're talking, this, this is just bringing up something else. It reminds me that I often think about lawyers as cognitive athletes, right? So if you think about Olympians or you think about professional sports athletes, they know that their talent is, is the threshold for success. So if I'm a great tennis player or a great basketball player, that's great. But I also need to manage my mood, my mindset, and my motivation, my thinking, my feeling, and what's driving me. So lawyers, let's put that into lawyer context. Lawyers are cognitive athletes. They rely on cognition for success, right? They rely on their intellect for success. But that's not enough. That's, that's the threshold to entry. What, what's important next is understanding how our mood, our thoughts, and our motivation impact our productivity and our performance. 
So this is what this managing partner was tapping into. He recognized that when they're in a better mood, when they're more connected, when they know why they're doing what they're doing, then their performance and their outcomes are so much better. So starting to notice, even if I'm sitting down to do a task, say, you know, here we are in isolation and I have a motion to write. And maybe I don't love the client. Maybe the client is a difficult client. And so I'm not feeling as motivated to write this motion as I otherwise might be. So my recommendation would be think about a motivation for writing this motion and getting it done and focus only on that. Don't be distracted by other things to get it done more quickly and more effectively. Uh, but find a reason, a positive reason to think about doing this motion so that you're, so that you get it done in a more uh, effective and uh, better quality way. Yeah, you know, uh, purpose and meaning is so important to not only have, you know, uh, feel good about our work, but also to produce the best quality work possible. And I like the idea that we, you know, if we're not feeling motivated, we can think about different ways. For example, like maybe the boss that we're working with or the coworker we're working with, we really want to do a good job for them or the judge that we really like. There's other reasons than the client that we can look at to motivate us. Exactly, exactly. It's really, really important to look beyond just that. Um, it, it, in fact, I think it's critical to look beyond whatever that is that's slowing us down and find a reason to, to move it forward. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Wonderful. Gosh, time is just flying by with you, Judith, and we could carry on this conversation, I'm sure, for a while. But I'm curious for our listeners, is there anything that we haven't covered yet that would be helpful for them to know? There is one thing that occurred to me right before we began our conversation, and that is asking yourself the question, does this serve me? And it's not really a self-serving question. It's a question that when we, that helps us set healthy boundaries and we can use it in a variety of different ways. And I've gotten feedback from lawyers who have said this one question has been so beneficial to them in so many different instances. So here are a few examples. Let's go back to the news. If I'm flipping on the news five or six times a day, you might ask yourself, does this serve me? If the answer is yes, great, go for it. But if the answer is no, then you, you, know, you definitely want to know what, you definitely want to limit your intake of the news. If you're being asked to take on extra work, ask the question, pause and ask the question first. So sometimes our um, initial response is, I'm gonna take it on because I wanna show the partner that I'm really uh, motivated or I need, I need the work, but if, it's going to overextend you and you're going to suffer for taking on that extra work or the client is an extremely difficult client has already been through five other attorneys. You might want to ask yourself, does this serve me? So that has been a question that in many, many instances can be very, very helpful. So again, it's not self-serving as much as it's really uh, taking an opportunity to, to, investigate whether this is the right thing to do. And it, it's a really good way of getting, making a decision without having to get into too much, um, too much going back and forth on the pros and cons and things like that. 
I love that tip, Judith, because becoming um, a master asker, as in like asking ourselves the right question, can really reframe our whole mental awareness and change uh, our whole physio, mental state of mind, everything, at, just in an instance. And um, a question, I love your question, you know, does this, how does this serve me? I, a question that has been going through my mind during this time especially has been, what is the best use of my time right now? How can I optimize? And, and that's really where I think the slowing down has occurred for me. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily beneficial for me to be doing multiple things at once right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I love to frame things in terms of, is this helpful or is this useful? That is pretty much my number one go-to um, with all the tools and strategies. Is this helpful or is this useful? Or noticing our thinking. Am I, am I, is the thinking I'm engaging in right now useful? And if it's not, <laughs> switch gears, do something else. <laughs> exactly, Judith. Gosh, I think that's such a great note to end on. So you're, you're, so, you're such a gem. Thank you again for joining us on the show. How can our listeners find you and reach you? Well, um, I recently launched a platform called Center for Thriving in Law, and the website is centerforthrivinginlaw.com. And its entire purpose is to provide lawyers with resources. Uh, there are some uh, free resources, mostly free. There are a couple of uh, paid resources. They're all discounted now during this period of time. Um, but they're there for this purpose, to, to get tools and strategies into the hands of lawyers working in high intensity, high demand, work environments or home environments now, but they're still high intensity and high demand. So uh, those are all available on the website. And my email address is judith at centerforthrivinginlaw.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you because I would really love lawyers to tell me what they're looking for. What would they like to see on the platform? So Wonderful, Judith. It's been such a joy speaking with you. Thank you so much for Likewise. joining us. Thank you. And for my listeners, um, please check out lawlifecoach.com for further information and please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks everyone and be well.